Welcome to another episode of Big Question presented by Friends of Film, a podcasting in-depth look at a specific big question on subsoul. We'll discuss the best sci-fi films of the last decade by finishing out our final four and choosing our winner. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Wood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. Um, so this is our closeout to March Madness that it is. movies. That didn't have a final thing for that. I just lost it all the way there. Um, but the NCAA tournament champion has been crowned. It has. Congratulations to them. We're very proud. Uh, we're, first win for that program ever. That's true. Which is wild yeah. and cool. And they fought tooth and nail. Good job for that head coach. I mean, mm-hmm. they really got him there. Got him over the hump. Right. And a lot of people weren't believing in that person no. um, while they were making that run. Nobody but really thought they were going to do it. I think it's true to say that that person deserves any head coaching job they would want or an extension. Or Yeah. Or maybe they'll just stay. I mean. Mm-hmm. they've obviously done some very good things and even to the losing coach i mean making it all the way there hats off to you as well that yeah. that program should be very pleased especially at such a turnaround from where things were last yes, season absolutely that's, that's for sure and then so. embarrassment all right yeah but, but hey we're here to talk about movies and are. all of that jazz and thankfully all of you guys have been following along on twitter um while we've gone through this and if you would would like to follow along on Twitter and you're like, what are you talking about? Well, <laughs> I'm talking about our Twitter page at friends and film. Um, you can go there, find tweets and see what we're talking about, what's being discussed, what movies I have not embarrassingly seen. Um, but if you're looking for shows on movies we have seen and have talked about already, you can find those on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts can be found. But if you can on Apple podcasts, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us. And then we can find more friends of the show. That's correct. And yeah, if you've been following along, we started off uh, three weeks ago doing the io9 best sci-fi fantasy film of the last decade bracket that they put out in honor of March Madness. We've been going through that. We did the round of 64. Then we did the round of 32. Then we did the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight last week. And now this week, we're here for the Final Four and the Champ. And we're going to run through some snubs that we think probably should have been considered. And if they weren't considered, they... Even if they were considered, I guess, they should have made the list, uh, potentially. So uh, this should be fun. We have three matchups to get to only, but three that probably will be highly debated. We asked for your input on Twitter using polls, so hopefully those can help um, us decide and uh, make way of any differences that me and Josh may have in choosing a winner here. If there are any, we could both be on the same page. I We have no idea at this point. Um, but we'll start off with the first matchup in the Final Four, the number one seed, Mad Max Fury Road versus the number three seed, Ex Machina. Josh, I am going to give my vote of confidence to Ex Machina. That's where I'm going to give my vote too. Okay. Yeah, and it was it was, it was a tough one. And um, I was, I don't think I was actually really prepared to even kind of discuss why Mad Max Fury Road doesn't belong to go forward. Uh-huh. Um. But we can and I can, but like the quintessential part of it is that it boils down to there's no cerebral value to Mad Max Fury Road to make it something that I would, that I would at least today hold up and say, this is great sci-fi. Yeah. It's good sci-fi, but it's just turbocharged Mm -hmm. by its action. And that's the most kick butt nature of it. There's nothing to think about. It's just there for explosions, fast paced punches, and Charlie's Theron just delivering a incredibly 
powerful and raw acting performance and Tom Hardy going, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's it all the way through. I think he says like three lines. Yeah. He does not say a lot, which is the easiest gig in the world. Um, I mean it, that the shoot was reportedly pretty, uh, oh, okay. tension. That's a good There's point. a lot of tension there and, uh, filming out in the middle of the desert probably wasn't a lot of fun, but yeah, at least from, wait, what was my line again? Tom, there's one of three lines you have to say. Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I, I I do agree with you in the fact that when we're now that we're at this point in this list in this bracket, uh, really the 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 sci-fi element of these movies really needs to stand out above and beyond to move forward and be potentially crowned who is what is the best sci-fi fantasy film of the last decade. And I think Mad Max: Fury Road, like you mentioned, great movie, great action, good performances. Um, the the sci-fi element of it is just that it's post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like okay. Yeah, but like we've seen that a thousand times, and Ex Machina is here to challenge like what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, uh, and really get ingrained into a lot of different sci-fi topics that I find really fascinating. It also has great performances, great direction. Uh, it really just stands toe to toe. Yeah, it doesn't have the action that Mad Max: Fury Road has, but in terms of the sci-fi quality of it, that's where it goes above and beyond for me. Yeah, absolutely. There's another, there's another strangeness to it that it has. But in different way, or an eeriness, mm-hmm. I would say Ex Machina has versus the strangeness and the the fantasticality that is in Mad Max Fury Road as well. Yeah. Like as we're exploring the uh, the world that whatever that weirdo's name who run the warlord's name that runs that joint. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. The wastelands or something. Maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Whatever you call his citadel that's carved into that mountain there. Like, Gas City is that it, or is that the other? Is there? Gas City is a different place that they're Gas going City to. Gas City is the place that they want to go to. That's right. So what are they, Water City? <laughs> they have water? No yeah, like, I, like don't I don't know, some kind of flowing rock. I'm not sure. They have water, that's for sure. Um, so all of that said, uh, like, yeah, Ex Machina has, like, those large, grand sci-fi themes, but then there's also, like, each character is intensely written and has roles to play throughout the movie that you can identify with and grab onto and wonder about yourself and your actions in those situations. And then it just boils down to like, like human qualities and actions that get made with like the technology around them and everything like that. Um, and when you get to that point, you're like, there are so many levels here, especially with um, Demille Gleason's character, mm-hmm. where you're, you're looking at him and like all of his selfish choices and desires and things like that, where he even believes that she's alive, but still treats her with this, like, I own you type of an attitude where it could be like technology or just something like incredibly like misogynistic. And like you go eons and eons with all of that Oscar Isaac's character and what that means. And then there's like the small facets and like in the and how I'm sounding right now is just perfect a perfect example of how that movie is, is that you can just unspool it mm-hmm. endlessly because Garland leaves it so vague um, throughout its entirety. And I love that part of it. I mean, vague without being um, incredibly just like, you know, uh, weird or, you know, vague, intentionally vague. Yes. Rather than incomplete mm-hmm. or just leaves you on a cliff. I mean, I mean, there um, with is nowhere to repel down to in, you know, uh, conversations and explanation. Right. I mean, yeah, there are certainly some cliffhanger elements to Ex Machina's story, but I think that's all part of whatever Garland is trying to say with the movie. So we are both choosing to advance Ex Machina, thankfully, because the poll on Twitter was split right down the middle between Mad Max Fury Road and Ex Machina between 14 votes. Uh, 
it was split right down the middle, 50-50. So you guys were no help, unfortunately. Um, but we appreciate your input anyways. And now we move on to the other side of the bracket in the last Final Four matchup. Number one, Arrival versus the number two seed, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Josh, I obviously know you're going with Arrival yeah. here for this one. I have been its champion um, throughout this entire this entire process. Yes. And it, yeah, I would go to push Arrival forward for reasons I think I've said, for reasons for I haven't said, but it is everything that you could possibly want in a sci-fi movie. First of all, the story gets out of its way and... It's just simple concepts against a leering drama. I mean, that's simple concepts. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure simple it's straight, is the word I use to describe it. It is straightforward until the end. Yeah. And getting out of its own way a lot of the time so that you can feel, see, and hear all of these elements from all of these great creators and performers uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Immaculately shot by Bradford Young. Uh, incredible direction and acting um, from Denny Villeneuve, Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, and someone else I'm leaving out, probably. Um, I feel like that's it. I mean, I know there's obviously two. more people in the movie, but those are obviously the, those are the main three. Yeah. For sure. Uh, this low-key, simplified, uh, simplified story, but the straightforward story in the beginning. And then it makes moves. It makes its moves near the end, throwing punches of um, emotional resonance. And then uh, tossing in a sidewindery twist that you can think about um, in so many different ways, and depending on how you you know consider that, mm-hmm. can change how you see the story, can make it more impactful, more meaningful, more heartfelt. Um, but Johan Johansson's score, kind of over all of this, just kind of ties it up with and brings each one of those components and makes it a cohesive story. Um, and the same can be said for into the spider verse, like in all these different ways. But at the end of the day for me, there is no, um, there is no per quintessential sci-fi, um, element that I can staple to a board and say, I learned this from this. I mean, there is, I mean, there's the hydron collider stuff and for sure. Um, but there's, there's a few more motifs that I think I would, lob it into like a superhero a subgenre right. rather than quintessential sci-fi yeah it's yeah. like the subcontinent india to the large <laughs> continent of sci-fi you know like or asia if you uh-huh. will or you know kind of like that aspect okay you think it's its own thing and that's how i'm considering it and because of that i don't mean it's anything less but everything else over here is just more of what it is mm-hmm as much as I love Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Spider-Verse, phenomenal movie. I think we both gave it five ticket subs out of five when mm-hmm. we reviewed it in December. Um, I better have. <laughs> I need to change that if not. That's what I was like. I'm pretty sure. I know I did. I'm uh, Just on how much I know you love that movie as well. I would be shocked if that was not the case. Yeah, it was actually uh, like two and a half. <laughs> yeah, like, eh, it was like a three. It was, it was, it was pretty I was going was pretty through good. some dark stuff. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but, I mean, yes. It's it, it still, well, it has the Hydron Collider, multiple realities, uh, some some very big sci-fi concepts it's playing with. Arrival is dealing with aliens and uh, uh, trying to explain how time works and language and like it's just dealing with all these different constructs that Spider-Verse isn't even trying to touch, which is no fault to Spider-Verse. It's just not what that movie is going for, whereas Denis Villeneuve is specifically going for something somewhat revolutionary uh, with 
Arrival here. So it, it's, yeah, Arrival got the Twitter vote. It got your vote. It gets my vote to move on oh, good. to the final four. I mean, what, did you think I said to Spider-Verse? No, I didn't know. On the edge there. But Spider-Verse's advancement like over this time is like, wow, it's kind of been championed. So I didn't know if you were going to be like, I don't know, some people can talk themselves into things. And I so mean, maybe you like, like, wow, like in a <laughs> vacuum, would I pick Spider-Verse over Arrival? I don't know. No, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. If I was ranking, if I was picking like which one was my favorite movie, mm-hmm. I think I would choose Spider-Verse over Arrival. But if we're talking in terms of best sci-fi fantasy films, then I think Arrival is the better sci-fi film than Spider-Verse is. Because you put that superhero fan, put that superhero fantasy a, a little bit. motif on it. Because that, that, then... that's what it's going for. I mean, yes, obviously, as we've talked about, it feels like every episode because we've always... Yeah. Been discussing a super movie, the superhero movie in and of itself is a sci-fi fantasy film, but they also feel like their own genre in a sense. Where we're talking about Arrival, Rex Machina, and they're dealing with very heady sci-fi topics, whereas Spider Verse is not. And even when they it is, it's like here's a hydron collider. Yes, and so on the breakdown, you're just pulling like what's not of the average superhero film and what that is is the Hydron Collider and the multiple universes right. and realities in Spider-Man. Yeah, so. and like it does a it does a decent job explaining it, but it's like that's not the full focus of the movie. Spider-Verse is about anybody can wear the mask. It's about learning about Miles, learning about his relationship with Peter B. Parker and what Peter B. Parker's up to in his whole life story. And it's about all these other things. And then the sci-fi Hydron Collider multiple realities part is like a backdrop, even though it's also the driving force of the plot because all the different spider people want to get back to their own realities. Yeah. But like dealing, dealing with that and like explaining what the multiverse is and all mm. this stuff, like that's not really what the movie is going for. It's for sure the most sci-fi superhero film that we have to talk about. Agreed. Because I would like, I think that's a really great point. It's not, it's not, the plot is not, the plot is of the Hydron Collider but it definitely falls away mm-hmm. for a good portion of the film while we just learn about those things. But it is the, um, it's the driving force, like you said. And so that's how we get Peter B. Parker, um, Spider-Woman, uh, and Spider-Ham as well, yes. and everyone else. As well as Penny Parker, Penny Parker and, and Spider-Man and Noir. That's right, of yeah. course. So like those, like those, yeah, it's, it's the catalyst for those elements, but it also... I mean, yeah, that's actually like it deserves to go as far as it has. Yeah, that's like, for sure. And like, just like because like you think about those elements, you're like anyone can mirror the mask. That's the whole point of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and then it brings that into reality through the sci the, the sci-fi parts of this, the more sci-fi parts, the Hydron Collider, and says here's twenty other different Spider people. Yeah, and there it is personified, and the commitment they have to you know carrying that out is extremely well done. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think just like looking back at the bracket, like I, honestly, it's toughest. Like in terms of like true sci-fi nature, w- may have been the first round when it went up against X-Men: Days of Future Past because that's dealing with time travel and change of reality and mutants and all these other things. Whereas like what we do in the shadows, like it, it's it's more it's way more fancy than it is sci-fi. The Martian, like there's sci-fi elements to it, obviously, but like it's not changing the game in terms of what like you think about with sci-fi. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie, phenomenally well done. But like it's not like really exploring a lot of like sci-fi elements, and then Cabin in the Woods is just like fantasy again, kind of the same thing. Like there's sci-fi elements to it again, but like Spider Verse has continued to advance. I think in part because it's a great movie on its own, but also because it does in fact have legit sci-fi elements to it. Like I know last week it was like border on the edge of like Cabin in the Woods, Spider Verse, and I was like, 
oh, I convinced you of Cabin in the Woods. And this is like, I did not expect that. So now that I started talking about Spider-Verse, I'm like, okay, I'm going to shift here um, on my conversation and vote. But it's like really only ran up against The Martian. Like yeah. that was the hardest choice because mm-hmm. like entertainment sci-fi value was right there. And then once it hit that all the way up till arrival, like deservedly so. Right. Um, and it's a great run for movies about for four months. So uh, exactly. <laughs> hats off to Spider-Verse. Precisely. Which then brings us into the final matchup, the championship game to crown the winner, the number three seed Ex Machina versus the number one seed Arrival. So we're back in the Arrival discussion, but this time it's paired up against Ex Machina, a film that both of us love in both in both aspects. I think that it's fair to say you like Arrival more than I do. Mm-hmm but I may like Ex Machina more than you do. I believe that's the case. Which then puts I, us at odds, I would I, assume. Yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Um, and it's it's interesting too because we're looking at two sides of the same coin. Yeah. I honestly believe. Um, now, that while Denis Villeneuve um, does, did not write Arrival or anything like that, um, and uh, Ex Machina is very much the vision of um, Alex Garland and all of those ways, um, you're looking at a dark version of sci-fi and you're looking at a more optimistic, brilliant version of sci-fi in a lot of ways. Uh, and my, like, in my decision of picking Arrival over these two, like, I love it in general, but also why I'm going to, uh, would want to give it my vote over Ex Machina is because although it does dive into some weird lovey, like it comes back to its personal moments near the end, which also connect to its ending. Um, throughout its story, it is a sci-fi movie about like the grand schemes of like why we go to the, um, why we like this genre, mm-hmm. why I like this genre so much. It's because number one, it's incredibly, it has this incredibly personal story right at the heart of it, which will gut punch you in the end and in the beginning um, and just make you feel overall like sympathy for Amy Adams, the character throughout the story. But over top of it, 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 the draw, the marketing is aliens have arrived. What's more sci-fi than that? Like, right? Like that's, yeah. that is, um, that, that's classic sci-fi. Exactly. That's the Martian people like, you know, coming and, but it's not war of the worlds at all. It's this, uh, it's this glorified, um, grand view that it has at its end where life from outside of earth is not here to destroy us or anything like that. And it's, it's like, it's a, it's this, um, the, it's optimistic about what's to come. And though that's at the end, the part in between is all about humanity itself and communication, conspiracy, um, distrust, anger and like you know like violent tendencies that all like right at the heart of it that are on the peripherals they're on like they're how we kind of see the world we're in our own little pockets mm-hmm. isolated but we can see places on the news and different people's reactions and interpretations and all of that is about like coming together in the end for one unified language and although that's like a little bit of like because i'm like hippie baloney <laughs> like which i totally understand I love the optimistic push for it, um, you know, at the center of the story. While it's interesting or whether or not they get there, 
but they do find like a common purpose with that. And I love that part of it. Um, it came out at such a weird time too. Um, like geez, three years ago, 2015, 2016, 2016. Yeah. It made it, made it, made its way through. What Blade Runner 249 was 2017. Yes. 2018. Blade Runner 249 was not last year. Wasn't it? I don't believe so. You're right, it was 2017. Yeah, so yes. then Arrival was 2015. It was in the can, but it, had, it took forever to get released because it made its way through all the festivals, and then, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, by the time of its eventual release in 2016, late 2016 for us, um, it was fantastic, and, like, I don't know, it was, it was like a salient hat drop after, like, a really um, controversial, like, election and everything like that, and it was like it was a perfect, like, capstone to all of that. I mean, of like idealistically where we could be and everything mm-hmm. like that. And that's why I love it so much. Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner only make me love it more because of their story um, throughout it. But most importantly, Amy Adams is about if you can know the future, would you, what would you choose? And that is like so potent about love and family. And I don't know if we're spoiling this movie or not, but I mean, I don't know. We, we we did a whole spoiler review on it, so That's I guess if true. you really want spoiler thoughts, you could go back. Um, and so like that that moment like is like the personal part again, like with armed with all of the sci fi you know extra worldly knowledge that you get, and then it just it, although it doesn't leave a lot of small themes for us to dig through, I just love the conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I think we're dealing with kind of what you mentioned um before of like kind of they're they're the same but they're also very different Mm sci-fi movies where we're dealing with a grand scale and arrival of alien invasion where ex machina is very much a small personal story about um you know life and choice and um all these different things and but really it's just a story about three people two people one robot Mm -hmm. and how their relationships could affect the potential of the rest of the world yeah it runs up against like the ai mm-hmm. like that big like supercomputer we're not the smartest things anymore but it tells it on such a micro scale right it's not irobot yeah it's not okay well now you know uh ava can she she knows that she can think but it doesn't go from that to then well now she's uploaded consciousness to a hundred other robots around the world and mm-hmm. now they're uprising and taking over like it doesn't right. go to that it could potentially i guess in a sequel because she's out there spoiler alert for ex machina but again that movie is four years old so but we're dealing with again movies that are different and similar but also i think stand apart for those different reasons where both movies excellently directed both movies excellent performances both movies dealing with very different sci-fi topics but doing them in very interesting ways and so when we're looking at this as a as a divide of i would go for ex machina you'd go for rival looking at Twitter and the Twitter poll um, just based on a final vote against all four movies, uh, Mad Max Fury Road and Rival were tied for the most votes out of 18. So they got, each got 33% of the votes. They each got six votes. If my math is correct there. And then Ex Machina only got 11%. So that's probably like two votes or something. So the polls would, I think sway us in the direction of a rival crowning that the champion. And I think it's, I think it's a worthy one, even though I would not go that route. Um, I mean, is there any other thing to say about this? Any other is that debates? the decision then? You think? 
I th- I think so. I mean, I think the I, I can't really think of a. I'm still a little. I mean, I, I'm, every time we talk about this movie, I'm like, I need to go rewatch it again because it's been a while. The mm-hmm. ending and the mechanics of language versus time and how that all comes into play with this on air, off air. <laughs> and it, it is, it's, I don't know if it's a point of contention, but I think, it's I think it is. Like, I think it is a little bit. <laughs> we're, we're certainly fascinated with it. Um, yeah. In pers- this perspective of it. And like, yeah, like, um, especially like in regards to like even interstellar, another sci-fi right. film that has a time stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say issue, but just, uh, there's, there's some illusions about it. Yeah. And it, it, go, it goes, it goes, it goes somewhere else beyond even a rival to a certain extent where it's not just oh well there's a language that we can all learn that can go beyond time it's we can all go beyond time and be a fourth dimensional being that Mm -hmm. can see across i'm like whoa whoa right slow down a little bit and it's something that's actually interesting that i mean i know we're way off topic here but like i uh the interstellar is sort of arrival sort of the prequel to interstellar Hmm. in terms of just like advancement in theory that's i mean yeah i I would i guess so think about like if they just had more time on Earth versus, <laughs> um, or whatever the case is, that's interesting. I have to talk about that. Um, interesting. There's there's a great piece to be written about time travel in movies, man. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there sure is. I mean, you've been wanting to talk about it for a while. I need to Obviously. do it. There's just so much research that needs to go into it. And I'm like, I don't yeah. know if how what, much if I have the time about science. <laughs> yeah, I don't care anything about science. Yeah. But if we just watch film, I think I'd be like okay with it because it'd be entertaining at least. Maybe, but I feel like if we were going to tackle like we need like a legit like like science major to be like oh, come in here and be like help us help us like explain everything and they're like well actually none of this is possible the well, last obviously. thing i want to do is talk to someone like about quantum mechanics and e equals maybe, that, maybe that would help figure it out i don't know um but, but uh all that to say arrival yeah let, 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 i think i'm i am before more, you do that before okay. you do that though i will say in defense of ex ex machina there is a subgenre at play in there that I have not seen in a while. Um, where if you reversed the story, mm-hmm. reversed the perspective on the story, and we were Ava versus with no context of who she was or what was going on, uh-huh. that would have been incredible as well. It also would have been a complete, that would have been like a terrifying movie. Yeah, it would have been like, a- wait, why am I trapped in here? Exactly. We just know this person is being held captive and someone's being shown around and talked to eerily mm-hmm. by um, some rando Yeah, and that you have to like convince to let you out and all sorts of things like that. And then that's mm-hmm. where Don Bogletian's like selfish nature would be at play. And I know people have problems with that part of like the script, but I just think like there's so many like turnarounds on that story Yeah, that you had you not known the information up front mm-hmm. for if it was you know, instead of front loaded, but it was tagged on at the end. That would have been amazing too, because like you know, there's, it's it's a little genre bendy. Yeah, like we have to play around with it a little mm-hmm. bit. But those ideas are all right there, and so though you can be sympathetic for you know Donald's character um, throughout the movie and up till the end, you're like, well, yeah, get out of there, Ava. Type of you know, you can you can root for Ava. Yes, yeah, abs- I mean, absolutely. I mean, even though you, I think that, that's the beauty of. Ex Machina for me is that it gives you reason to understand the motives of every individual. You understand what Oscar Isaac's character is trying to do, what Donald Gleason is trying to do, and what Ava's trying to do. And so then when Donald Gleason is trapped behind a door and he's like, Ava, like, save me, like, let me out. Like, you're like, yeah, like, I care about like this guy enough. I'm like, yes, he should get out of there. But then when Ava turns her back on him and leaves him trapped there, 
you're also like, I understand that too, because she's been trapped by humans for all of her known life. So why would she then trust one now? And she's basically been tricking him this entire time anyways. So really fascinating movie as before we officially crown a rival champion, Mm -hmm. just to break this down a little bit director, where, where do we give the edge ex machina? And Alex Garland or Arrival and Denny Villeneuve. I give it to since the direct we 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 credit the director with every facet of the film, correct? Yeah. yeah. And I give it to Denny. Okay. Because every element of that movie is excellent. Um, story wise, like yeah, it gets vague near the end and it's weird. It's not as uh, straightforward, right? Is what as what Ex Machina does. Garland get Garland has, mm-hmm. um, but that mo- that part of it. Tie and mostly tied together with the score. I mean, acting wise, I think that's it's dead heat, but um, I'll give it to Arrival, yeah, because every individual element is better. And I know that's like jumping ahead a little <laughs> bit, but um, then he's a little more prolific, yeah. Gar- I, I mean, I know Garland's new, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, this was his. This was technically his directorial debut. Directorial debut. Even though there's rumors that he was actually the one who directed Dread behind the behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if that's just a Hollywood that, myth though. So I mean, unless his script was that good, he was basically directing. I, I it's, it's possible. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, I would also probably co- like give Denny the edge just because of what you kind of mentioned that the just like in terms of just overall execution uh even though like you mentioned it can it can slow down and not become as clear as i would have liked at least um at the end of arrival i think he just does so many other things right in building up to the, such a reveal that where it all still mostly makes sense whereas like you know ex machia doesn't have that type of like game changing like oh this totally makes you rethink everything that happened before it's all it's all very straightforward and it, it's delivered its own it's delivered really well but denny's dealing with a much larger scope in arrival and he handles it really well performances you said it's a dead heat but if i made you choose one i'll probably give it over to man i got playing a numbers game here <laughs> but i guess i'd probably give it over to ex machina because it's three instead of like two because it's three instead of two but also because isaac dommel and alicia vikander are they all have to do something uh, that's not a fine line that they're walking but alicia vikander and oscar isaac's um, slow turns in the movie from, you know, uh, human to inhumane, or he makes the human to inhumane yeah. turn. She makes the object to human turn. And Donald's just sort of sadly caught in the middle, but he's just, he goes from being uh, skeptical and hesitant to wide eyed to, you know, like just a little bit petty near the yeah. end. And so all of those together are probably better than the sum total of Amy Adams. You're Which right. is hard to say because there's three, they're all phenomenal performers. Yeah. But Renner is just sort of like, he's supporting. Mm-hmm. Everyone else there is basically a lead in and of themselves. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Whether it's the numbers thing or not, I think just, I mean, arguably, Ex Machina is the career best performances from all three. Mm. I mean, wait I, till I see Star Wars Episode well, 9. I'm saying, oh, I mean, right <laughs> now, right now. From what from what we have seen, I think the only thing that can inside make, like, Lou and that's Davis what I was is the only say. thing I would be like, I need to put put those. Yeah, I would need to watch that one side. again and think about it. But like other than that, like it, I think it's definitely Donald Gleason's best performance, and it's definitely Alicia Vikander's as well. Whereas yes. Amy Adams' performance in Arrival, I'm not sure if that's career best. And then Jeremy Renner, he I 
think he's probably better in like Hurt Locker or something than Hurt he is Locker here. Or Wind River. Yeah, or Wind River for sure. And Force Whitaker is solid, but I mean he supporting. Def- yeah, he definitely has better roles in the past. So I would I would give the edge there. And then uh, yeah, I, I think there's one other category I was going to throw up, but I don't remember what it is anymore. Cinematography, and, you would give it right over to um, give it to Bradford Young. Uh, you give it to Bradford yeah. Young. I mean, just the, the shadows and the like. There's a deep green to the area around the obelisk or whatever mm-hmm. we call that ship. I forget what they, I, feel, I think obelisk is right. Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's what it kind of feels like. Um, and then just like the, the, the interior of it. And then Johansson, Johansson score paired with these three things is just fantastic. It adds dread and eeriness and mystery mm-hmm. all at once. Um, so I give the, you know, all those facets over to it. Um, I can't think of anything else that really makes up a yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, both of them have really good scores. I love Ava's theme in Ex Machina. I think that stands That's out. Good. But then the Johan Johansson score in Arrival is just so powerful as it always is. So, I mean, yes, let's just avoid the inevitable at this point. Crown Arrival, our champion, the winner of the best sci-fi fantasy film of the last decade, more than deserving, and hopefully uh, Denny continues up with the hot streak with Ooh. Dune and other projects in the future. Yay! Yeah, congrats to Arrival. I'm sure this is making the day for everybody involved with the film. That <laughs> friends of film, me and Josh have decided that you know this is the best sci-fi fantasy film of the I, last decade. I'll send it on to Denny, and we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be he'll he'll be very enthused. I am sure. But before we get out of this uh, topic, once and for all, uh, you know we did not make this bracket. We did not choose who we are going to be deciding about who could be the best sci-fi face from all the last decades. So we wanted to wrap this up by running through some potential snubs in our minds of who, what films probably should have been included, whether they were 16 seeds or maybe they should have been higher up and they should have been number one seeds potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there one immediately when I was like, let's do some snubs that stuck out source code or not source code. Sorry. That's on my list, but midnight special. Was I one that you I, I just love that movie to death. It's basically like a B plus arrival in a lot of ways, uh-huh. but it's it's a more fatherly story, and that's, I think maybe that's probably why I'm drawn to it. I don't know, but Adam Driver's in it as well. Yeah, uh, that helps. <laughs> uh, it helps, but it's also just set in non traditional locations um, in the U.S. The, the South is really just like I think it's under photographed like a lot of ways, and I just think that attitude and mood and drive across it is so good um you can run down the, the cast list but it's really on the backs of joel edgerton and mike shanahan mm. or mike shanahan um gosh darn it, michael shannon michael shannon thank you michael shannon and um its score is terrific and though i don't remember who cut it together um why am i wanting to say ben salisbury but that doesn't seem right um it just gets what sci-fi is about without being too grand or too big, but also does play into the the genre terrifically. Composed by David Wingo. David Wingo, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yes, I don't love Midnight Special as much as you do. I have some questions about the ending. Um, yeah, the ending's wild. It's a little out there, um, but I think your comparison of a of a B version of Arrivals. Uh, pretty spot on so uh, i would not have been upset if midnight specials on this list the one that i know i've heard a lot about that wasn't included mainly from colton was interstellar not being on board this list um because that's just one that's it's a nolan movie it's deals with those heady sci-fi topics that we were discussing before and mm-hmm. i don't know if I, I probably would put it as a number one seed or something but like it, it probably should have been on this list uh, on yeah. this bracket i'm actually ways. surprised it isn't i've 
didn't really look through the list that deeply to realize that it wasn't. Yeah. That's strange. It's very strange. And there, I feel like there was like, I felt like there was some, I, some, you know, stagecraft going into this a little bit here too. Like, not too many Nolan movies, not too many Denny movies or anything like that. I mean, what? We got two Denny movies, two Garland movies. Mm-hmm. We had like five or six Marvel movies. That's right. That's true. A couple of DC movies, I th- or maybe just yeah, one DC that is movie. A, that is a, lot, a little strange that the Lego movie is going to get tossed on here. Right. Rather than... Rather than Interstellar. Yeah, or that's like, wild. Like Coraline or... Cabin in the Woods, honestly. Cabin in the Woods or like, I don't know. It, 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 it like Pacific Rim, number sixteen seed. You're telling me Pacific Rim deserves to be on this list and Interstellar doesn't? That's true. That's baloney. If I've ever, if I've ever had some. That's very so, true. Uh, Interstellar definitely should have been on this list at some point. What about another one from you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like okay. Well, um, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes. Dan Trachenberg's wild, out of left field, um, sci-fi th- horror slash thriller mm-hmm. is terrific. Um, well acted by Mary Tyler Elizabeth Winstead, John Goodman, and John Gallagher Jr. Yep. It's low key. It's small. It sends you one way, sends you back the other way, and then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden drops a ton yeah, it, it of stuff drops on the, you. Drops the sci-fi element. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or drops it on top of you. Yes. It doesn't drop it from like the story. Um, and it's terrific. Like yeah, like every part of it is not the best. But it's contained. It shows Dan Trachenberg's ability as a filmmaker to get performances, but also set and craft scenes with like, you know, minimum slow cuts and turns. And, um, you know, like he's J.J. Abrams' protege. I don't want to call him a protege, but he worked with him one time. (laughs) And now he's going to be directing an adventure film, like in the spirit of him, I think, weirdly enough. So I'm going to go ahead and just run with that. (laughs) Correct or incorrect. Um, And so it's weird to see that off the list. Yes, I completely agree with 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, it should be on the list. Uh, I'll also, you mentioned Source Code. I think that's uh, that's one that I, when we mentioned Moon being on the list, I was like, Moon's not even his best sci-fi movie that came out this year, uh, yeah. this decade. Like, Source Code's phenomenal. Should be on there. Jake Gyllenhaal, Vera Farmiga, and Duncan Jones, the director, just such a brilliant job dealing with that concept that is basically time travel but also mm-hmm. uh that's right like it's it, it but it does it in a really smart way and murder groundhog day yes <laughs> I guess, right. yeah i guess yeah right. it's weird to have edge of tomorrow on there but not that yeah i mean um some other ones we should throw up maybe uh just to kind of get some thoughts i mean you have avengers you have some other marvel movies in there avengers mm-hmm. infinity war deals with probably more sci-fi fancy elements than any other marvel movie with yeah Thanos, Infinity Stones, um, some time manipulation in there as well. Like, probably could have been included there as well. But I, maybe there's a quota, like you mentioned. Too many Marvel movies already. Yeah, I have a rapid fire. Okay. Three for you. Colossal. Yes. Jurassic World. The World's End. Oh, The World's End. Interesting. I didn't even think about that. I, well, I recently saw it. So I completed the Coronado trilogy. Yeah. Um, and writes, you know, fantastic... Simon Pegg led films mm-hmm. with Nick Frost laced in there intermittently with yeah. plenty of other uh, of our favorite Englishmen. I, I mean, there's definitely a sci-fi element to it, so I wouldn't. Yeah, I would totally be on board for. It would be like a 16 seed. I would, yeah, I would be yeah. upfront about it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be low, but I'd I'd be cool with it. But if they only like we only can put one English alien attack movie <laughs> on here, they chose the right one. Yeah, they attack chose Attack the block. the block. Yeah, but I definitely thought that one was the case. 
for that. So I'll run through some. We can just get yes or no's whether it should be on the list. Prometheus. No alien movies mm. from the alien franchise on the list. Would have been a 16 seed. Yeah, it would have been low, but I would have liked to see Prometheus on board. Predestination. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Ethan Hawke uh, led. Really fascinating. Don't want to give too much away, but it is. It does a lot of sci-fi elements very well. Okay. Uh, definitely check that one out. Should have been on the list. Should have been on the bracket probably. Elysium. We already we talked about one. Um, Neil Blomkamp Neil film. Neil Blomkamp movie. I know this one is kind of divisive. Not everybody loves it, but I thought Elysium is super well done. It blew my mind when I first saw it. And then I was like, and then it got to the end. I was like, oh, that's dumb. And then like I came, <laughs> I came around to it later. I was like. Oh, actually, that's not that dumb. That's actually pretty, like you know, yeah, uh, it's pretty, solid. Like, pretty like it was a little bit on the. It's a little bit on the nose and eye rolling uh-huh. for me today. Yeah. But I, I get what it's going for, and I like it, and I agree with the message. But it's just kind of like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, oh, this is dumb. Yeah, yeah. I think at least impression Miller, uh, a recent one, but I'm, I'm not totally sure if I even would have included it on there. But mm-hmm. Ready Player One. Oh it, yeah, that I would have put that on there yeah. for sure. Sixteen seed though. Yeah, pretty low. We're running out of 16 seeds, but... <laughs> yeah, maybe 15. <laughs> yeah, bump it up sure. a little bit. Like, uh, knockout first round, but... The, ori- the Not the original, the 2014 Godzilla. Yes, uh, for sure would have liked to... Like, see, the thing is, yeah, I for sure would have liked to have seen that on there, but come this May, like, I'd rip it off and put <laughs> well, King right, of Monsters but, on there already. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, I guess, the, the problem of doing this list before the 2010s have, have ended, I guess. I so, know, that's so funny. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, even... I'll lead up Alanger this year. I'd say like, I'd be fine if that was like 16 or 15 seated on a bracket. Like that's very well done. Sci-fi, uh, dread mentioned it before Alex Carlin written script really well done. If it didn't make the list, I'd be okay with it, but I think it's worthy of a mention, like an on the bubble team for sure. Um, star Trek beyond. Yeah. I, it, it, the first star Trek is better. Yes. But like if you if they weren't jockeying for the same position, right? If, sure. if there was if there was an extra seat available, I would gladly have put Star Trek Beyond in that same on the bubble uh, route upgrade. Another one from last year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Really well done. A, a sleeper one, but I know one that a lot of people are fans of. Tron Legacy. That is a terrific film. Well, yeah, I don't think it would be. I would say it was better than any movie on this list. Right. Like, I don't know if I would have picked it over anything we advanced already mm-hmm. that we'd actually seen. <laughs> I mean, because it was up against one of those anime movies, I probably would, sure. I would have chose Tron Legacy over it. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very fun movie and would have been cool. Book of Eli. Uh, hmm, interesting. Mila Kunis. What's Denzel Washington. Yeah. What's, what, very, what's, what's, what's the, very... what's the sci-fi hook beyond like post-apocalyptic. That's really about it. Yeah, so I would probably veer a like if I if I if we had done all we'd done sixty three movies and we're like we can't think of another one I'd be like oh Book of Eli's over here mm-hmm. yeah but I, I don't know post apocalyptic for me unless there's an added element doesn't like scream sci fi yeah okay very fair um what about kind of the same vein but Hunger Games Catching Fire but there's Hunger Games was on this honestly I like Catching Fire more than the original Hunger Games so if we were to even swap it out I'd be okay with that um. Super 8, J.J. Abrams. Yeah, that was on the tip of my tongue like when I started, but then I, the more I thought about it, it, it's really, it's E.T., but just a little bit darker. Yeah. And I don't know if I would call it fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying this thing would win the whole thing, but I think Super 8's a worthy potential inclusion here. 
But yeah, I definitely think again, jumps to the front of my mind. I think again, we're we're run, probably running out of spots, and maybe all these movies were included or in consideration. They just missed the cut. But also, Chronicle, World War Z, and one of the Maze Runner movies. I'd be okay with any of those yeah. movies making World the cut War as well. Z, for sure. Um, that's like the most grand scale zombie film. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the 2010s. Yes, for sure. Um, but I'd probably like swap out one of the two or three new ones we have coming our way very soon. <laughs> well, three? Hopefully. One, two, three. Three zombie movies coming, heading for us Zombieland, next year. Zombieland 2, The Dead Men Don't Die, and... The Dead Don't Die. What's the other one? Army of the Dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the Zombie one. 3. Yeah. Zombie re- But I don't surgeons. know. Yeah, I don't think the Snyder one's probably not going to come till next year. Within but, a year, yeah. though. I think we'll definitely get it. It'll all hit around the same time. The last one I have for myself is A Quiet Place. Weird, not have that on there. That is that is pretty surprising, actually. That is sci-fi and like huh. I don't know having that in Cloverfield Lane off there. Yeah, that that is surprising. Ultra dumb. But again, we didn't make the list. These are just our suggestions. So maybe if you do the list again next year, maybe double check, make sure some one of these couple of these movies make the list. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was a great list. Though. It was. I will it say was this. really like, really well done by O9. I don't agree with all the seating, but. A lot of they got most of the movies that needed to be in there, and yeah, I do question the fairness of lumping in um, fan, fantasy, I don't know, horror, and even of itself, like with yeah. those elements. Because I think interesting uh, too. if you would have gone straight sci-fi, cleaner lines, cleaner discussion, it's easier to pick and choose. I think I felt like you I mean since I'm so seeped in these genre movies, it felt like people were asking me what's my favorite movie of my favorite movies, <laughs> right? And it's just so tough. Yeah, it really is, but. That is all we have for this big question. We finally chose our winner. If you haven't been following along the whole way through, you may know the outcome now, but go back and check out the previous three big questions leading up to this final decision here. Uh, so you can just be in the know, go through all the, our decision-making process in the meantime. But until next week, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by Transat for the Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And thanks, Sam, for tuning into the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thank you for stopping in, everyone. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, subscribe to us and give us a five-star review with comments. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>